Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Your host is Becky Olson. Our show is here to help breast cancer patients, survivors, their friends, and family by providing resources, support, and inspiration they can use right now. Here is your host, Becky Olson. Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. My name is Becky Olson. I've battled breast cancer five times in the last 24 years. And for those of you who have been following my journey, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm now stage four. I've got it in my liver, my lungs, my bones. It's just a very joyful thing. <laughs> um, but, you know, we work with what we've got, right? Um, I'm also a, a motivational speaker and I'm the published author of The Hat That Saved My Life. And before we introduce our incredible guest today, and I've had her on my show before, and I love this woman, but before I bring her on, I want to talk just briefly about gratitude. You know, gratitude is just the concept of being thankful for for even the small things in our life. And sometimes we just, you know, we forget that life isn't always just full of really terrible things. Sometimes there's good things that come from that. And I just want one little quick thing that just happened is my computer decided to crash. My my hard drive just went belly up and lost everything on my computer. It couldn't do a thing. But because I've got this fabulous IT person, her name is Mary Berger. She has a business called Computer Diva. And yes, I'm giving her a plug right now because she got right on it. She replaced my hard drive. She was able to recover my files from my old drive and put them on. And she did a fabulous job and she did it relatively quickly. So, you know, I'm grateful to Mary for that. I'm also very grateful to our guest today because the last time I had her on the show, our wonderful um, engineer, his name is Aaron, we love Aaron, Aaron was talking about how he just had a sweet tooth and he really wanted some treats and he didn't have any. Well, my guest, when she was off the phone with me, had her team get on on that project right away and she shipped Aaron, some lovely goodies, <laughs> which, you know, he was so thankful for. He took pictures of it, sent it to me and said, wow, look what, look what I got today. So it was, this is really cool. This is gratitude. This is being thankful for the little things instead of focusing on the, on the dilemmas that we have in our life. It's just focusing on, on the good that can come from that and, and just focusing on the good things in our lives. I mean, yes, I have cancer. It's kind of spread in a lot of places, but I'm still here and I'm still doing great and I'm still able to do my show and I love all the guests that I have on my show. So, yes, I am grateful for that. And I'm also grateful for the things that I'm learning from having cancer the way it's gone. So, anyway, be grateful just for the little things in life. It's so important. And um, with that, I get to introduce our guest. So, today, our guest is, once again, Nicole Phillips. Now, Nicole is the kindness champion. She She's used kindness to overcome all of life's difficulties, including her own battle with cancer. Now, if you want to hear the her earlier story, you can go back and listen to her episode. I don't remember when it aired. I probably should have written that down, but you can go to go to our host page and search for her name and, and her episode will come up. But this is her second time and I am so delighted she's coming back on. And she spreads the healing power of kindness as host of the Kindness Podcast on the radio. It airs on 17 stations and through her weekly newspaper column in North Dakota and Minnesota. She's also author of two books, actually now three, um, Kindness is Contagious, Kindness is Courageous, and now her new book, The Negativity Remedy. And I can't wait to learn more about that. So welcome, Nicole. Thank you so much for coming back on our show. Delighted to have you. 
Always, always my pleasure, Becky. And um, I have to say that I, I would have made treats and sent them to Aaron, but nobody likes to eat anything that I cook. And so, <laughs> therefore, uh, my kindness team is the one member in particular is a really great cook. And so she likes to make puppy chow. So she she was the one who said, hey, how about I make him some puppy chow? Please, Nick, don't <laughs> cook for that boy. <laughs> <laughs> well, whatever she did, it got his attention because he loved it. He sent me pictures of it. And he was so grateful and appreciative. And, and of course, we're very grateful for Aaron because he keeps our show up and smooth and when we have little technical glitches he comes in behind us and fixes them so by the time you see it or hear it on a podcast you have no idea that that even happened so we're very thankful for Aaron we love him and Aaron it's okay to jump in and say ah I love you too so that's fine (laughs) Nope. <laughs> Staying silent. He's yeah. He's being silent. This cause. Uh, so yeah. Becky, the last time that we talked was actually August fourteenth of twenty nineteen. So so oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. And when we had talked at that point, I knew you had had stage four cancer and that it had spread. And you had mentioned to me that you really wanted um, and were passionate about speaking in all fifty states. So. We were trying to see, um, you know, on our end, if, if we knew of anything that, that we could help to make that happen. But then, of course, COVID happened. So I'm curious, ha- have you been able to speak to people in all 50 states or how has that worked? Well, you know, thank you for asking that. We actually, sometimes, you know, you, you have a plan and you have to switch directions a little bit and maybe move outside your normal box. And yes, my goal was to speak in all 50 states. And at that point, I had 32 states that I have spoken in. And so I only had 18 to go. The problem is, like you said, COVID hit and my cancer diagnosis hit, kind of put things all on a little bit of a delay. So I was working with this beautiful woman named Kara Duffy. She has a podcast called Powerful Ladies. And she and I were working together on a project. And she asked me this question. She said, Becky, is it important to you that you speak in all 50 states or that you speak to people in all 50 states? So we switched directions and we decided that speaking to people in all 50 states was good enough, you know, for the for the time being. So she helped me create a new Facebook group page called Breast Friends Around the Globe. And we put it out there that we wanted to speak in all 50 or speak to people in all 50 states. And we asked people to let us know. And here's the states we're missing. And anyway, bottom line, yes, we got to all 50 states. And turns out we're in 113 countries, too. So... You know, it's and so now the goal is to speak in all countries. I think there's 195 of them or something. I'm sure someone will correct me if I'm wrong. But um, there are a few more I'd like to get on our list. But they, these are people that have listened to the podcast, either this one or other ones that I've done. And if you've heard it and you're in a, in a country that we haven't been in, we'd love to have you just tell us or even just tell us if you're in another country. Who knows? I mean, <laughs> I yeah. don't have it listed which ones they are, but but it's it's just been a really exciting way to kind of look at this differently. And I'm grateful to Kara for coming up with that idea. I'm grateful to you for asking about it. It gives me a chance to talk about it for a moment. And I'm just, you know, I'm just thankful for for all of these things and that I still have this opportunity to do this. And, mm-hmm. you know, we just, uh, I love it. it gives me joy every every Wednesday when we're on the air. So love it very much. It's so, so interesting to me, the posture, not not to take over your interview, but it's so <laughs> interesting to me, the posture of that question from Kara, because, 
you know, really it's, it's like what I love to talk about with kindness. It's, it's sometimes it's just re looking at something through a different lens. And so you were looking at it from the lens of, I need to go do this mm-hmm. in these places. And, and it just became flipped so that it wasn't about you and what you were doing and where you were going. It was about the people and where mm-hmm. they were and how to reach them. And yes. isn't that special? I love it. It it is. And, you know, she's just a very intelligent woman and she's done a beautiful thing with her her podcast. And I'm just, again, I'm very thankful to her for kind of having the foresight to think that, you know, think of it that way and then make it work because it gave me a realistic goal that I could still continue to pursue. Right. And I think, you know, in, in life, I think that having little mini goals, things that you want to do that kind of bring joy into your life every day, it's so important. And, you know, I, and I, I know this is your interview, so we're going to get to you in a moment. But, no, I'm loving this. Uh, you keep talking. I'm loving this. <laughs> but it, it is important that we find little things. You know, I've got this this new topic that I've created, and I'm working on a book. It's called Stay in the Light. And it's I know my audience members have heard me talk about this, but staying in the light refers to finding ways to bring joy into your life, regardless of what you're going through, even if, you know, going through stage four cancer and having it kind of spread. I think when you and I talked, it was only in my lungs at that point, but now mm-hmm. it's in my liver and my bones too. But um, having, having just being, I don't know. Anyway, we're going to get onto your interview now. I so. like staying in the light. That's great. Yes. So that's what it's about is just, you know, stay in the light, finding ways to bring joy into your life every day, even if it's just for a few minutes at a time, you know, because those are the things that will get you through life's kind of ugliness sometimes. So with that, um, I know you were diagnosed at age 40, and it, people can go back and listen to your um, to your cancer story, and we've got a lot to talk about. So, But just the basic, you were, you were diagnosed at age 40, and um, as I recall, is that correct? That's right. On my 40th birthday, actually. And On five, your 40th. Yeah. That's right. That's right, because Sharon, Sharon, my the other co-founder of Breast Friends, who used to be my co-host, she she was diagnosed just a few days before her fortieth birthday, mm-hmm. and so that was that. We're that's right. I remember that. Now we talked about that just rather briefly. But um, so, when did you get interested in the idea of kindness as a solution to life's traumas, including your cancer diagnosis? Wait, tell us how all that fit together. Yeah, so in 2011, that's when I really got interested in kindness. I had gotten a call from the publisher of our newspaper in Fargo, North Dakota, where I lived at the time. And he basically offered me the chance to write about whatever I wanted to write about. And I mean, looking back as a person who is a writer, I think, wow, like that was such a gift at the time and I didn't even realize it. I was stressed out about like, what could I possibly write about that I would be interested <laughs> in, right, for, for long term? And because I don't love to cook, I've already shared, I'm not super great at that. And, you know, parenting, it's it's like, I'm, I hope I'm doing it right, but, you know, who knows until <laughs> they're launched from the house. I don't know. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, politics wasn't my jam. So when I... Um, I thought about it, called him back, and I said, I know what I want to write about. I want to write about kindness. So this was in 2011, and basically the concept was that we asked people to send in their stories of kindness. So either something they had done and how it made them feel, or a time when kindness showed up for them at just the right moment. And it's been a remarkable journey, Becky, because 
that's been going on now for 11 years. I still write that column weekly. It runs in newspapers in North Dakota and Minnesota and online. And that turned into two books and turned into really a career in speaking because people were interested in hearing some of those stories and knowing what I was learning and how I was changing and how they could change from being really intentional about kindness. And that was really fun. And now I have a third book that's basically a <laughs> sort of a how-to guide about kindness. We call it the Negativity Remedy, Unlocking More Joy, Less Stress, and Better Relationships Through Kindness. Well, I, I love the whole idea. You know, I've always felt that kindness is underrated. And, you know, people just think what the world would be like if everybody was kind to everybody, <laughs> you know, right. all the stuff that we hear about. I mean, Portland's been on the news every night for the last, you know, 90 plus days because of all this yes. stuff going on downtown. And and it's it's not, there's not a lot of kindness going on there. People are breaking windows and setting things on fire and you know, what if what if all that changed because everybody got a magical fairy dust of kindness, you know, and then mm. came over them and everybody was kind to everyone. None of this would even need to be a even need to be addressed. It wouldn't be an issue anymore. None of it. And the reason they're doing it wouldn't be an issue anymore. That's so right. I, I don't know. Kindness is, is so important. So how did it fit in with your actual diagnosis? I mean, I know you used you used it in some way to help you kind of get through your cancer battle. Can you share that a little bit? Can I back up into one tiny phrase that you said, though? Yes. Um, You talked about the fairy dust, and that is so important to me because I feel like, um, you know, sometimes we feel like we're far away from the problem or we couldn't possibly be part of the solution because we don't, you know, we don't know enough or we're not there. And um, but what happens is when we see things like what's happening in Portland and what's happening in Kenosha, Wisconsin, mm-hmm. and all over the the country, really, um, is is important for us because we look at that and we can feel fear, and mm-hmm. then from that fear we feel. Uh, angry. And from that anger, we can um, become combative or defensive mm-hmm. and all of that. So to really take it back to that first step is to ve- to develop a healthy perspective about what is happening and right. to be and able why. to, and, and why, why yeah. and why, and to not be fearful, but to know that Every little smile you give someone, every time you allow someone to go ahead of you in their car, every time you hold a door open, every time you send an email or a text saying thank you, every time you express gratitude, those all um, swing the pendulum from this violence and anger and fear Mm -hmm. to this place of kindness. And so it's so important that we don't wait for the fairy dust, that we become people of perspective and um, and really focus on staying in the light, as you would (laughs) say, right? Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. I just, you know, it's just, it's hard to imagine it all happening at once. And I guess that's where the fairy dust came in. <laughs> it would be like, yeah. just, you oh. know, but I, but no, you are right. absolutely right. Because that is, that is what it, what it would take is people, to, I don't know. Anyway. So again, this, I know you don't like politics, so let's stay away from that um, <laughs> and, and get back to, I really want to know how kindness yeah. fit in with your cancer diagnosis. And I, I do believe we talked about that last time. So you can give us the short version of it because we got a lot more to talk about. <laughs> sure. Kindness just changed my perspective toward my cancer diagnosis. From the moment that I was diagnosed, I knew that if I was going to have cancer, it was meant to help other people. And that was, that was, 100 percent 
my mindset heading into it. So I started blogging with that intent. I started reaching out to other people who were going through it with that Mm -hmm. intent. And I continue to as well. So kindness is really something that pulls our, our minds off of ourselves and our own troubles and puts them on to other people and, and really says, what are you going through and how can I help with that? One, one interesting story when I really needed um, to have that change of perspective because it, you know, I mean, come on, if we're going through cancer, we're not always going to be like, yay, I'm here to help others. Like, please, right? We're tired and we're right. depleted. And I woke up one morning at 4.30 in the morning depleted. I I felt like cancer had taken my finances. It had taken my energy. It had, in that moment, taken my joy. I was sitting in my pity party in my bed, looking outside, and it was raining and thunderstorming. And I was, as I was looking outside, I was thinking about my neighbor. Um, she was living in a tent on mm-hmm. on my neighbor's lawn. So she was a former drug addict and was was um, clean. And she had a job, her first job after being clean, working at a dry cleaners across town. And so she had to get up at 4.30 in the morning and walk to work so that she would be there in time for her shift. And again, on this morning, it's thunderstorming, it's raining, and and I'm thinking I should really get out of bed and give her a ride. Or, you know, maybe I should call her a taxi. Or may, I don't know what I should do, but I feel like I should do something. And then I just got angry and I thought, no, no. Why does it have to be up to me? I have cancer. <laughs> and I rolled over and I went to bed. I went to sleep. I was like, you know, in this, bleh. Um, well, later on that day, I saw her walking home from work. It was about two o'clock in the afternoon and I pulled over to the side of the road and I said, Hey, do you need a ride home? And she said, no, it's a beautiful day. I'll, I'll walk. And I said, you know, speaking of beautiful days, it wasn't so beautiful this morning. And I was thinking about you and, and, you know, is there anything I can do to help you? Um, I asked that question so fearfully because I was afraid she'd say, yes, you know, I could use a ride and I could use some money. And I was like, but I trusted, I just trusted that if I asked the question, somehow I would be able to see it through. And so I asked the question and she said, no, you know, she said, actually, I'm going to get paid pretty soon and then I'll have enough money to buy a bike. And my heart just stopped. I was like, wait a minute, you need a bike? I have an extra bike in my garage. No one's using it. No one's used it for a year. You know, you can have it. So she came wow. over and she picked up the bike. And as she was was driving away, you know, she she was teary-eyed and I was teary-eyed because it was just a really beautiful exchange. But in that moment, standing in my driveway with my eyes on her biking away, I didn't have cancer. There, There was no cancer in my body as far as my mind was concerned. And that those sorts of things, acting out in kindness really helped me during the times when I was so depleted. Boy, I love that story so much. And, you know, and that's exactly what we're talking about when we talk about stay in the light. In that moment, like right now, talking to you, Nicole, I, I know I have cancer, but I, I don't think about the fact that I have cancer. I don't think about what it's doing to my body. I don't, because I'm talking to you. And you are amazing. <laughs> you know? And you've got great story. I love that story so much. And and there's just so much truth to that. So rather than, you know, what rather than just kind of focusing inward on ourselves by focusing on other people and being kind to other people and, and finding the joy in that or whatever it is that you can find joy in, that's that's really what this is about. And I I was so excited when when 
you reached out and you know we were able to get you back on the show again. I was really excited. So now listen, I understand you're five years cancer free this month. How does that feel? Oh, amazing. Amazing. And yet, you know, I'll be honest because yes, five years and they say, okay, you can come in a little less frequently. But you know, in June, they had me back in because they thought that they saw something, right? So it's it's kind of like cancer is one of those things that kind of just sits in the yeah, corner of the room. Never really cancer free. That's right. kind of the question so, we all have in the back of our minds, you know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but I've I've learned to uh, I had a friend who said she takes her husband with her to every appointment. Uh, and then they go have lunch. And, you know, for some people, that's not an option. You can't take your husband, but you could take a good friend with you and, you know, maybe have lunch or do something. And that really helps me because I know that instead of it just being a cancer checkup and something that's kind of looming there, I know it's going to be a fun day with a friend or with my husband. And, yeah. and that helps a lot. Well, now, and sometimes in, in some states, that's a little bit different. Like I'm going in for chemo this afternoon, and it's going to be a four-hour appointment probably, four to maybe five, because we're also adding one other um, piece to the mix. And I can't take my husband. They won't, they won't let me bring anybody in with me. And so do you have any advice for, for people that are going through this for maybe the first time, and they've, you know, they don't really have that ability to bring somebody how how can how can that new person who's doing this kind of get through this and and feel you know feel good what do you have any advice on that I mean that's a tough one yeah well I think that bringing somebody with you can be literal or it can be figurative yeah and so you know if you can think of someone who really has mattered to you and take along a piece of paper if you can write if you're if you're mm-hmm. able to do that sort of thing or um, or just you know make it in your head tell the story to yourself of this person and all the things they did for you and really think it through because what happens with gratitude um, and kindness acts of kindness is that serotonin is released into the brain and serotonin you know, loves to activate when we're in the middle of an act of kindness, when we're in the middle of being with someone literally. But serotonin also flows when we're in the middle of gratitude in our mind or when we're thinking through a a really great story of kindness or something that someone did to us, for us. That's why gratitude journals are so powerful because it literally releases this feel-good chemical into your body. Um, so I say, you know, you might not be able to literally take someone with you, but figuratively. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing that I think is really neat that I, I got from a, another kindness advocate named Don Carter. He's an amazing man. And we had a conversation one day and he said, you know, people are so worried about paying it forward. You know, if somebody does something for you or you, whatever you do, you, you're paying it forward. Mm-hmm. He said, or paying it back and as a cancer survivor that was really something I had to get over is that people would do nice things for me and I would feel like oh my gosh I've got to write them a thank you note I've got to pay them back I've got to do something for them you know and he said we don't need to worry about paying it forward or paying it back all we have to do is pay attention yeah and so grateful (laughs) some of the people that uh are are I feel the most grateful for and the most connected with through my cancer journey are the nurses and Mm -hmm. the receptionists and these just people who I just got to know and who became like family to me as I was you know going for appointments and 
Yeah. So yeah, no, that's that's really good. One other idea for somebody who's maybe going through it and can't bring their spouse or their significant other with them. When I go in and actually see my doctor and my husband can't be in there, we'll put we'll do a phone call. And I'll put him on speaker, and then he can hear everything the, that the doctor is telling me. Oh, so that great. that is one you know one thing that can happen. And then depending on the kind of room that you're in for chemo, you know if you have maybe a headset so they don't have to hear both sides of the conversation, you can also talk to your friend while you're you know having having your chemo. So you mm-hmm. know there's there's things that that you can do. It's just a lot more challenging because there's nothing like having somebody sit there and hold your hand and yeah. talk to you and smile and give you that beautiful expression that says you matter. You yeah. know, that's that's really important. But, you know, we do with we do with what we can and my husband is always there for me even in spirit if he's not there physically sitting next to me and I always know he has my dog on his lap so it's Aww. it's it's all good. It's all good. So, um by the way, in case you didn't notice, we're going to we're kind of going to go through the first break here we already did. So, cuz we have a lot, a lot to talk about. So let me ask you um, a, another question. When did you recognize, when did you first recognize that you had a problem with negativity? Because I haven't known you that long and you have no negativity as far as I can tell. <laughs> but I'm sure something led to that. You know, I mean, you kind of got the focus when you were writing those articles. But when did you realize you had a problem with it? Uh, that was back in... 2011, when this whole this whole kindness thing started for me, I um, I was at the on the edge of you know what anyone would call an alcoholic. So I was a drinker and a smoker and an overeater, and I was angry, just just angry a lot of the time at my husband. And you know he he's a basketball coach, so he would go to work and he would get to go stay in hotels and go out to dinner, and I'm home taking care of the kids, and I just feel like so many of the things that that I now can say I'm so grateful for at the time I felt like they were burdens mm. and uh, that's a tricky tricky place to be and I was on antidepressants and you know I was trying to take care of myself as best I could and yet I just felt helpless and out of control when it came to things like the drinking and the smoking and the eating um, and um, and so I remember being in the gym um, one day because I could take my kids. This is terrible, Becky. I could take my kids to drop in daycare at the YMCA if I was working out. So <laughs> whatever I, it takes, right? <laughs> but I could drop my kids off and I could go in the gym and walk on the treadmill or, you know, walk around the track or lift some weights and, you know, get an hour to myself. And so <laughs> it just does sound silly when I think about it this way, but I was in the gym and I was listening to um, a radio show from a woman named Joyce Meyer. Mm-hmm. And she's got, uh, you know, podcasts and radios and books and all kinds of things. But one thing that she said was, think about what you're thinking about. And that just kind of struck me. And I, I thought, wow, if I'm going to stop and think about what I'm thinking about right in this moment, you know what it is? I'm looking in the mirror and I'm wondering why I'm so fat. I'm wondering why my belly looks like I'm pregnant when I'm not. You know, and I'm just picking on myself in that moment. I knew like I was the judge and jury of myself and everyone around me. And it was a terrible way to go through life. And so I started to reject and replace my thoughts. And I would just when something would pop into my head that I, I, I would think about like, oh, why am I think that's none of my business? Why am I thinking about that? Or why am I being so mean to myself? I would say I reject that thought. 
And then I carried a little piece of paper in my pocket with nine words on it. And I was trying to memorize those words because they were things I wanted to build more of in my life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So um, those are these nine words. And I would, I would um, say, I would, I would identify the thought. I would say, I reject that thought. And then to move my brain away from whatever I was kind of meditating on, I would say, love, joy, peace, patience. And then I'd kind of forget what was next. <laughs> so I'd pull out my piece of paper and I'd look at it. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And once I memorized that, I found something else to memorize. And, and so now I just encourage people to even set an alarm in their phone once a week or every day, however you want to do it, that pops up and says, what are you thinking about right now? And um, if it's not something, if it's not a thought that is serving you, if if your brain happens to be parked in a spot that is full of negativity and is is literally changing how you feel about the day and how you feel about yourself in a negative way, then reject and replace. Find a mantra, find a quote, find a scripture, find something that matters to you, write it down, put it in your pocket and begin memorizing it to move your brain to a healthier spot. I love that. Think about what you are thinking about <clears throat> and how how often do we get down that rabbit hole of just really negative thought after negative thought and, and then what if and then what if and what if and the what ifs get really deep and ugly and we just stay there and we just keep going down that rabbit hole but if you just pause and say, think about what you're thinking about, and you can replace it, that that's great advice, Nicole. I really, really appreciate that very well, much. And It's been life-changing for me. It really yeah. has. Well, I've seen your pictures. I mean, I've never met you in person, but you don't look like you have any kind of a weight problem now. So. <laughs> and you look gorgeous and lovely, and, and it looks like you've made a lot of really good improvements um quit smoking quit drinking i you know i don't know but yes within a year within one year of being intentional about my thoughts and intentional about kindness i totally quit drinking quit smoking lost 30 pounds refell in love with my husband who is indeed a really great guy um and the whole atmosphere of my home changed becky when my mind changed and um i'm just so grateful that that my very small children they were very small at the time um, are now teenagers who come home and share with me what their act of kindness was for the day. And when we went through kindness or went through breast cancer as a family, they understood that we were not going to be victims in this. Um, we were going to be proactive and see how we could use what we were going through to help other people. I love it. You know, I was I, I had a guest on my show one day, um, Patrick Quillen. He's been on actually a few times, but we were talking about a quote um, from Deepak Chopra, who says that that every cell in our body is eavesdropping on our thoughts, Ooh. and and that's kind of where the concept of stay in the light came from. Because if you're if every cell in your body is eavesdropping on your thoughts, and your thoughts are good and positive. What's happening to your cells? They're being fed good positive. If your thoughts are negative, what are they being fed? Negative. So what happens with your cells then? Are they responding in a good way? So I think that this really ties in very well with what you're saying. And it just really solidifies, you know, all of those, the the importance of, of, (laughs) the 
importance of that fairy dust. You know? Yes. So, um, yes. That we can create. Who yes. knew we could create our own fairy dust, right? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So um, you talk about six ways in your new book. You talk about six ways to draw more kindness into your life. Can you explain what that means? Yes, absolutely. So um, I, I talk about the flip side of it as well, which is how to kind of stop negativity in its tracks and, and reject and replace is, is one of those six ways. But I feel like the other flip side of it is that we have to be open to being a magnet for kindness, because wouldn't that be so great if we walk through life and we just felt like, wow, people are really kind to me. I, I don't, you know, I didn't necessarily do anything to deserve this. And people are really kind to me. This is amazing. Um, and, in a couple of the ways, I mean, one of them is just to expect people to be kind. And this sounds like, well, you know, of course I'm going to expect people to be kind. But, you know, are you really? Because your body language will give you away. I had two friends who both went to the same post office and one went and had some really um, just uncomfortable interactions with with the with the clerk. And, you know, and. So when the other friend went, and so she actually stopped going to that post office. And so when the other friend went, I said, do you, how, how have your interactions been in that post office? And she goes, she said, awesome. She said, I, I love, um, I love the, the clerk. She said, and I said, well, you know, tell me about it some more. And she goes, well, you know, if somebody's crabby, then I'll say, oh, you know, Jessica, did you skip breakfast? Don't worry about it. Lunch is coming up and that'll mean more <laughs> calories for ice cream tonight, you know, <laughs> or, um, you know, if somebody else just looks just overly tired, she'll think to herself and, you know, they ask her to go to the back of the line and, you know, rewrite her address on there. She said, I just think to myself, as I look at the rest of the line, like they're going to stand there on the cement floor for the whole day and all I have to do is step back here, rewrite an address and then I get to go and carry on with my day and they're going to stand here all day long dealing with people who might be grumpy. Yeah, they really don't want to be there. I mean, the, they, the people going to the post office never want to be at the post office because it's it, it's always a long line and yeah, so yeah. and they're going to deal with all those people all day long. <laughs> Right. And I am by no means picking on on our postal workers because I oh, no. have become really <laughs> become good friends with them because I'm sending out uh, books and things like that. And, and so I, I really enjoy them very much. But what happens when you walk into that post office expecting people to be mean to you? You walk in with your shoulders a little slumped over. Your eyes are not as wide and bright. You're certainly not smiling a genuine smile at someone. And, you know, your your words might be short and clipped. But when you walk into a room, whether it's a post office or um, a meeting room or anywhere, really, and you expect that people are going to be kind to you, you walk in with your shoulders back, you have a pleasant expression on your face, you're ready to greet them, you're ready to be kind back to them. And that changes the initial interaction and then changes the whole interaction, all because we expected them. We gave them the benefit of the doubt that even yeah. if they weren't kind to us, there was a reason why. You know, I, I had a little post office story that's kind of like that. I was I was at the post office one day and the woman who was standing in line in front of me went up to one of the clerks and she was very rude to her, very rude and loud. And the clerk responded the best she could, but she was really distraught, you could tell. And when I got up to my turn, um, this clerk who had been kind of, you know, responded back 
eye for an eye kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I said, wow, that, that was kind of an unpleasant exchange, wasn't it? And she goes, yeah, we get those all day long. I said, I'm really sorry that you have to deal with that. Mm-hmm. But my goal was to not be that person that day in, in line. And we had a lovely experience. And every time I go in, she was always nice to me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, people do remember that. And sometimes they're just responding and, you know, reacting to something. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's so it's so important. And we have that ability to decide who do we want to be in this world. What Do we want to be that kind person or do we want to be the bully? You know, mm-hmm. we ha- we have a choice, and and I I love what you're doing. I love what you write about. I I just so it sounds like so to go on. I think there was still there were six. How far did we get through those? <laughs> the, we got through number one. Okay, <laughs> so well, I'll give you got, one. I'll give you got one. Two minutes quick before one. I have to go out to break. So yep. give me as many as you Here's, can. Give me two minutes. <laughs> one more quick one is to smile or get Botox. Back in 2014, <laughs> I think it was um, researchers were uh, finding that people who had a Botox injected into their foreheads came back and were saying they were expressing all of these great feelings to the point where they thought Botox could be an antidepressant. Well, what they found was that it's not that Botox was an antidepressant. It's that it was the lack of negative mood feedback, they called it. People could no longer frown at others and therefore... People wouldn't, because we mimic people. We mimic the expression on other people's face. If someone has a big smile for you or a pleasant expression, that's what you're going to give them. If you're frowning, even not knowing it, uh, that's what they're going to give back to you. So that's the second one, Becky. Well, okay, that's a good one. And we still have we still have one minute. So give me, have one more quick one, and then we'll pick them up when we come back from our break. Um, being able to lay your head down at night and know that you helped one person is ah, powerful. Mm-hmm. I love and that. Identify that person. It. Yep. Yeah. And yeah. And that makes you just very aware of, of wanting to reach out and help somebody. And if you think about that every night before you go to bed, you know, you might've had some really crummy things happen during the day, but don't think about those. Think about the one person that you helped or the mm-hmm. one person who helped you, mm-hmm. you know, because not everything isn't always bad, you know. So anyway, that's really great. We are going to go ahead and take a short break because we have a wonderful sponsor that our audience needs to hear from. So with that, stay tuned. We'll be back in a minute. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. Female cancers affect women, but women's effects are felt throughout our families, workplaces, and communities. Electa is driving advances in precision radiation medicine across our portfolio of devices. By enabling treatment that is highly responsive to changes in tumor shape, position, and biology, but doesn't compromise the health of surrounding tissue and the patient, we protect the moments that matter in the lives of women with female cancers and everyone they touch. Learn more at electa.com. That's E-L-E-K-T-A dot com. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Tune into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1 866 472 5792. Again, that's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to our program. Before we move on, I want to ask you to please think about supporting our program. There are four ways you can be involved with this show and help us keep it going and and just doing well. Um, First, share this podcast with your friends. You know, if you hear an episode that you think of somebody, share that podcast with them so that they can tune in and listen to it and and be blessed too. Um, Second, join Breast Friends Around the Globe. It's a special group on Facebook. You can go, you can listen to the most, today's episode is actually posted there. Make a comment on what you thought of the episode. Tell me where you're writing from because maybe you're from one of my countries I don't have on my map yet. So that would be good. And then um, third, consider making a donation you know, we don't we don't ever charge a fee to any of our guests or we don't have a subscription service, but we do have costs for this show. So if you can go online, um, you can actually text a, a donation. Uh, you text the, the phrase BF Radio to 41444 and that'll open up a special link and then you can go on to make a donation and that will go directly to supporting this radio show. And then finally, if you have a, an a story to share or something that you would like to talk about that you think would be um, something either infor- uh, inspirational or informational for our audience, reach out to me at Becky at Breast Friends and let me know and let's talk about it. And, and if it's something that we agree could be a good fit for the show, we'll get you scheduled on. So so those are the four ways that we can that we ask you to give us some level of support. And with that, Nicole, welcome back. Um, we were talking about the six ways to draw more kindness into your life. We got through three. So let's do the other three quickly because I, yep. we still have a lot more to talk about. <laughs> okay. So the first is expect people to be kind. The second is to look for the silver lining in every situation. And so for people who have a tricky time with that, they say, what good could possibly come out of this situation? I know that in my own life, I said, I've said, I don't, I don't know what that silver lining is right now, except that someday I'm going to be able to use this to help another mm-hmm. person. Yeah. And um, so there is always a silver lining. There are helpers, as Mr. Rogers' mom would say, look for the helpers. Yeah. Uh, the third is to verbalize your gratitude, as you are so good at doing, Becky, but just to, you see something, you say it, right? You see that somebody is, is making a difference and you mention it. You don't just think, oh, that's nice of them. Mm-hmm. Fourth is the smile or get Botox, (laughs) which we talked about. Fifth is to slow down. And this is so tricky because we are driving to get to the next place. We're texting somebody. We're, we're, We're multitasking, right? And so sometimes we forget to go to the bathroom or we forget to eat. And then all of a sudden, you know, we kind of get those grumpies coming. And so when we slow down, we're able to pay attention to our own needs 
and we're able to pay attention to the person right in front of us. And then the sixth is to offer a word of encouragement to one person each day. That means you can lay down your head at night and you can know who you made a difference to. Because when you know who you've made a difference to, you realize how powerful you are and important you are in this world. That is so good. I love that. And those are six. And if you missed any of those, just listen to us on demand later and you can listen again and write them all down because it's definitely worth worth learning and committing to memory. So let me ask you kind of a weird question. Um, you know, sometimes when we think about being kind to somebody who's really hurt us or somebody who has taken advantage of us in the past, how do you reconcile that? How do you maintain a role of being kind to that person when they have hurt you before, or how do you how do you look past that? Mm-hmm. Dealing with difficult people uh-huh. um, is is really touchy because sometimes they're people who are the closest to us, right? It's not just somebody who cut you off in traffic. This is someone who you've interacted with a lot, and they should be there to love and protect you, and they're just not. Um, and so, really. I feel like asking questions and creating stories are so important because they help us to build compassion for that other person. So, for instance, you know, if somebody cuts you off in traffic, you're not going to follow them to the gas station so you can ask them, hey, what's going on with you? Why are you acting like that? You know, is, are you having a good day? Is something wrong? You know, um, whereas if a coworker were to be short with us, we could say to them, instead of instead of getting angry about it, you know, we can say, hey, is everything okay? This kind of didn't sound like you. And I just am wondering, did did I do something to offend you? Or is there something you need help with? So we, we ask those questions. When we cannot ask the questions, because we're not going to follow somebody into the gas station, a random stranger, uh, we create stories. And those mm-hmm. stories help us to... Um, find that bridge of compassion because we might think to ourselves, I wonder if that uh, person let that door slam in my face because she just found out her kid made the basketball team and now she's worried that that he's actually not going to get to play because of COVID and, you know, how is she going to reconcile that with him? Mm-hmm. And, you know, so the, they can be really good with with random people in our lives, but but I've seen this forgiveness happen and reconciliation happen Becky in my own life my mom and I are very very close and she is my first kindness teacher but when I was younger uh, when I was in about fourth grade she um, married a prison inmate and um, I I had grown up in my middle school and high school years feeling like she had chosen this other person over me because I it really broke off our relationship for a long time and I couldn't understand why she wouldn't why she would make a choice that led her away from her children and it wasn't until um, shortly after I began studying kindness that I got curious. I wanted to build this bridge. I wanted to build this relationship. I wanted to have compassion for her and her decisions, but I didn't know how. And so I started asking her questions like, mom, you know, what was life like for you when you grew up? And um, what happened that day in the prison? She was working in the prison as a teacher. What happened in the prison that day that 
connected you with someone so deeply that you would give up everything you had. And, you know, I was able to find out about some some hurt in my own mom's life from the time she was a child and um, also some hurt in her life at that particular moment that really opened the door for some questionable decision making. And um, and that helped me to understand, you know, we are we are all one bad decision away from losing it all. <laughs> we just are. None of us is a, we're all a work in progress. I'm a work in progress, you know, and, and so is everybody else. And yeah. so that just really helps. It, it does. And, you know, to your point, you said something about making up stories if we don't know what the story is. And and I find myself doing that a lot. If somebody is coming onto the freeway way too slow and I don't know what, why are they so slow? Well, maybe they're a brand new driver. Maybe it's somebody's 16-year-old son or daughter who's just learning to drive. So I don't want to, like, come up on them and scare them because... They're just learning to drive. That's the kind of the story I tell myself. Or if somebody comes on and they're driving like a maniac, I assume that they probably have a medical emergency that they're trying yes. to deal with. And so that's the, the story thing. And it just kind of helps take some of the got to get even with this person, you know, out of out of the whole thing. And it, we don't need to be like that. You know? right. So, so if making right. up a story helps you not be like that, then it's definitely worth doing. So I, I applaud you for that because I, I think – you know, it's sometimes it's okay to to do that, and you know if it well, helps. We're us making be up stories people. either way, right? Yeah, we're, we're telling exactly. ourselves something, and and I'm either telling myself that that person is a total jerk and is trying right. to offend me, right? Or I'm telling myself, wait, this has nothing to do with you. This is this is something right. going on in their life. That's right. That's exactly right. So, so how has kindness? I mean, you kind of already t- talked about it a little bit, but how has kindness changed the climate in your home? You know, you've gone from somebody who kind of resented your husband and the the job that he had, and now you talk about adoring him. And I get that because my husband and I have really focused on kindness this year, and um, I think that it's really it, it does change. It does it helps all relationships. But tell me what it's done, how it's changed the climate in your Mm-hmm. Well, um, it's helped me to hold my tongue sometimes and to take a pause and to really think about things because I don't want to live in a house that's dramaful. I don't want my kids to be, you know, dramaful. This is bad. Or that's bad. And, you know, and I don't want to be that person either. So one one simple example that I that I notice in myself uh, happens in our mudroom almost daily. I have three children and a husband and a 70 pound golden doodle. And I'll be darned if every day all of my people and the dog don't leave uh, 478 shoes in <laughs> and dog toys in the place where I'm supposed to be walking, right? They all know where the shoes go. I have asked them to put the shoes away. And, um, and I used to walk into that situation and I would yell. My first instinct would be to trip and then just yell out at someone whoever's shoe I tripped over and and you know that does not set the climate when you walk into the house for hi how was your day you know (laughs) (laughs) no because they know how yours was (laughs) right exactly now I've just shared with them how the rest of the evening is gonna go exactly uh, because mom's (laughs) mad and so thinking about what I was thinking about um, helped me with that and taking a pause helped me with that because I walk in now 
And I take a moment when I trip and I look down and I might see my daughter's running shoes. And I think about, she's a junior in high school, and I think about um, how important running is to her and how she made the varsity team when she was a freshman and what a great celebration that was for her. And I might see the littlest shoes that that smell like fish because my 10-year-old likes to go fishing all the time and, you know, will occasionally drag something into the house that shouldn't be in the house. And um, and I think about how he had a heart murmur when he was a baby and we were really worried that he wouldn't be able to run and jump and play and do all the things that a normal 10-year-old could do someday. And yet he can. And then I, I look at the pink Crocs and I think about my 14-year-old son who's a freshman in high school whose favorite color is pink. I love it. (laughs) Yeah, and his favorite color became pink five years ago when I was diagnosed with breast cancer because that was his way of relating to me. And when it was his way of feeling supported by the community, when he saw that pink ribbon, you know, to him, uh, it was a, I'm not alone. Someone else is going through this and someone else is here to support my mom too. And, And so that became important for us. So that pause in that, allows me to take a deep breath, to get grateful, and then to say to my kids, how was your day? And by the way, do you mind going and picking up those shoes? And they're happy to do it when I can ask them with respect. That's great. And and, and it's it's so true. I mean, at least you're, you're taking the time to think about why those shoes exist and the fact that you just tripped over them. Well, it's a, it's good that they have those shoes, you know. Yes. So, so that's just, again, changing the focus from what just happened to, you know, to why. Why are those shoes there? Well, it's all, it's all good. So that's, you know, we are, we're so close. We're out of time. And I, I wanted to mention um, in your new book, in the back of the book, um, if listeners want to start their own kindness journey, I understand. I haven't seen it yet. But there are 365 kindness ideas in your book. So we don't have time to go through them because we are literally out of time. Um, but, and also I wanted to mention that I know you're teaching your daughter about kindness because last year, I'm um, talking about Jordan now, last year she talked about her cozies for the cure where she she was making, um, I can't was it? Coffee cup sleeves. Coffee cup Um, sleeves, yes. Yeah. And now she's making face masks for local hospitals. I think that's beautiful that you're teaching your children how to how to be kind and and whether it's giving back or giving forward, I don't care. They're giving. You're teaching Mm -hmm. them how to give, and you're teaching them about uh, just about sharing and about other people. And I love that. So. Congratulations to you for what you're doing with Jordan. I'm not sure if the other kids are all doing stuff too, but probably. Um, But I I do want to thank you for producing children that are going to be good citizens in this country because we Mm -hmm. certainly need that for sure right now. Um, Mm -hmm. So we are are out of time. Nicole, thank you so much for being on our show. How can people reach you? Can you give us a quick email or a website they can go to? Info at NicoleJPhillips.com or on any social media, Nicole J. Phillips. Okay, awesome. Thank and, you, Jackie, so and much. people can talk to you. I know you're not probably speaking right now in person, but I'm sure you're doing virtual events. Yep. So, so people can still find out and learn more about you. Um, and with that, we will be back next week. And until then, remember, there is always hope. And we are here to help you find it. Thank you for listening to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. 
Please join Becky Olson again next Wednesday at 12 o'clock noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. There is always hope, and we are here to help you find it. We'll talk again next time.